0: Welcome to the Audiobook Speakeasy. I'm Rich Miller, and I'm your host here at the Speakeasy. This is where you'll meet narrators, coaches, engineers, and other audiobook professionals, as well as some listeners who will be sharing what they look for in a good audiobook. If you're interested in audiobook production, you've come to the right place. So come on in, grab a drink, pull up a chair, and join us for a friendly chat about audiobooks. My guest tonight is an audiobook aficionado and a fellow podcaster. In fact, she's hosted a couple of audiobook-related podcasts, and now she's at the helm of an audiobook production company, The Audio Flow. Jocelyn Protho, thanks for joining me in the Speakeasy tonight.
1: Thanks for having me, Rich. You know I've been stalking you, so its I'm very excited to finally get this time to sit in the hot seat with you. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: I and I am very glad that we could work out a time when it, uh, it was convenient for both of us. So thanks for coming into the Speakeasy. What are you drinking tonight?
1: Well, I created a drink especially for you. It's called the Speakeasy.
0: Ooh, nice. And,
1: and because I know that you like your brown beverages, I also <laughs> I also went brown. However, I don't drink. So I'm having root beer, and it has a, a side of lemon and orange. So that's my drink tonight. And, of course, water. But I just wanted to give you my pretty drink.
0: That is fantastic. A Speakeasy. <laughs> so that is a citrus um. Uh, citrus garnished root beer. <laughs> I like it. I actually like root beer. I haven't had a root beer in... I think years and years at this point, but because I just I don't really do soda, but um, but root beer actually I used to like, and it's one of those few things that my wife and I totally disagree on. She has always hated <laughs> root beer, but ah. I used I used to love root beer and used to like root beer floats and uh, and all of it. So so that's great. Thank you for naming a drink for the speakeasy.
1: Well, you you are so welcome, and I'm, and I'm so glad that you actually liked root beer, so it it worked out perfectly.
0: Yeah, yeah. In fact, <laughs> I actually have some root beer flavored liqueur, but I just. Don't don't know what to use it in, so I'll have to think about that and come up with a, uh, a speakeasy offshoot. Um, so yes. and you're right, I, I do like uh brown liquor at this point, I didn't used to, but I do now. I love the whiskeys. I decided not to go with the whiskey tonight, though. Tonight, uh, a, a couple of nights ago, Jenny and I went to a fairly new bar in town called mm-hmm. the Sidecar, okay. and of course, Sidecar is a classic cocktail which I've never made. But I was, uh, they have a few different varieties of side, it's kind of a hipster bar. They've got a few different sidecar varieties and then a whole bunch of other uh, herbal liqueur and, and other, you know, different kinds of drinks. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I like the fact that they're really into, you know, craft cocktails. So it was a lot of fun and it's just a bar, no restaurant attached, just a bar. You go in have a drink and there were a lot of, a lot of people sitting around. And, uh, and so I thought when I was going through my cocktail book today, thinking what I was going to have tonight, I ran across the Chelsea sidecar and I thought, you know, I think I'm going to have one of those. So that's what I'm having, a Chelsea sidecar, which is a, a variation on the classic sidecar using gin instead of cognac. So it's gin, a little bit of, uh, of Cointreau, and then a uh, very small amount of lemon juice. Uh, so, uh, so that's what I'm having, a uh, Chelsea sidecar to go along with the speakeasy in the speakeasy. So, that
1: sounds good. <laughs> yeah,
0: thanks for coming in, Jock. Cheers.
1: <laughs> Cheers. Oh, was I supposed to cling my glass? Oh,
0: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Well, that's that's great. I'm glad we uh, glad we could get together here in the speakeasy. So, uh, so Jock, where are you from?
1: I am originally from Gary, Indiana, um, but right now I'm in uh, a little town outside of Gary called Portage. And uh, it's cold here, and it's snowed, and it's probably about 18 degrees right now.
0: Oh, very cold. So you're from Indiana, yeah. and you're currently living in Indiana, but am I remembering correctly that you did a stint in Arizona at some point?
1: You are correct I um actually have lived in a couple of different places different states uh, when i I left Indiana uh, to go to college and I lived in North Carolina for eighteen years, uh, then I relocated back to Indiana uh, for about three years and then I went to Arizona uh, for two years and I am looking to relocate back there. Uh, In 2020, I absolutely loved it there. So, um, yeah, it doesn't snow unless you're in Flagstaff. And, uh, you know, winters in Arizona is basically um, uh, shorts and a hoodie.
0: Yeah. Uh, I love winter here. It's the way that I look at it is summer is about six months. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fall and spring are both about, uh, probably about two and a half months, and then you get about a month of winter. Um, exactly. Maybe, maybe a month <laughs> and a half. So so that's nice. I will say, though, that even if you're not in Flagstaff, you can get snow. It actually snowed here in Tucson, um, I think it was on the 1st or just uh, just a, a few days after the 1st of the year. And the first year that we lived here, actually, it snowed. So you get it every once in a while in the valley, not no, not too often. don't
1: say that. But no. It's, but it's very
0: short-lived. <laughs> it never sticks. Um, <laughs> so that's no, good. I,
1: it's so funny. The first, when I, I was there and I used to work for a company, and we did a lot of traveling and we went down to Douglas. Mm. And it's it snowed in Douglas. And I'm like, this is the southernmost part. Of Arizona, I don't understand why there's snow here. It is, um, but I think
0: Douglas is a little, <laughs> little higher up. I think that's probably why.
1: Is that what it is? I, I, I
0: just, I, I think it is. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure what the elevation is. I know here in Tucson we're at about 25, 20 uh, uh, I don't, I can't remember now. It's around 2,500 feet. I think uh-huh. that Douglas is higher. Um, but I haven't been down that way. So I don't know. I know that, yeah. uh, Bisbee is a little higher and I have been down to Bisbee. So yeah,
1: it's really near there. It's, um, Sierra Vista and the Bisbee, all the same area.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so when you come back to Arizona, you're planning on living in the Phoenix area?
1: Um, well, I was in Goodyear when I was there. I really liked it there. So Mm -hmm. it's probably going to be, uh, somewhere near where I was in Goodyear, um, or Buckeye or, Mm -hmm. um, I really like Scottsdale, but I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to live there. Mm. Um, but um, uh, my mother and my grandmother are both going to be relocating with me—not us all in the same house. But I need to make sure that we are at least um, no no greater than thirty minutes away from each other. So. Mm-hmm. But Buckeye, good year is a good place to be.
0: Yeah. No, that's cool. I, I am unfamiliar with the different areas in the Phoenix area. So I'm I'm not sure about um, the cost of living in Scottsdale. I If you want to talk Tucson, I can definitely give you some <laughs> idea about the different areas in Tucson. But uh, anyway, so you were in Indiana and then you went to uh, North Carolina, you said? Yes. Where'd you go to school out there?
1: I went to St. Augustine's College, which is now St. Augustine's University. It is a uh, historically black uh, university. Um, uh, my major actually was broadcast communications. Oh, no kidding. However, Yeah, I didn't do anything with that degree until many, 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 many years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it was the foundation. I absolutely love North Carolina. Um, but I was there 18 years, pretty much all of my adult life. Um, and it was just time to do something else. And and uh, that chapter just kind of ended. So, yeah, yeah you just kind of want to go out and do some other things. And I think that's why I like Arizona. Um, it's the West Coast. It's close to California. It's close to Vegas. Uh, you kind of get all, everything you want right there in Arizona. So
0: it is pretty close, especially uh, out there on the west side of Phoenix. It's definitely closer because here in Tucson, yeah, not too far from L.A., but it, it <laughs> adds that extra two, two and a half hours compared to the west side of Phoenix, and that makes a difference on a day trip. <laughs> it really does.
1: Where yeah. I lived, I was right off of uh, I-10, so mm. it, it, it took me about five hours. Now, getting there was fine. The traffic, though, uh, <laughs> yeah. was another story. <laughs> yeah. Having
0: grown up in L.A., I'm always uh, you know halfway excited to go back for this reason or that reason. And then I get there, and after less than a day of driving <laughs> on on L.A. freeways, I think get me out of here. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. It's yeah. it's a two it's two days, three days tops, and then it's like okay, I need to go home now.
0: Yep, no, nope, to- <laughs> totally understand. So, uh, so you did uh, work in in broadcasting, uh, at least in college, and then you didn't use that. But then I assume that that came in handy later when you actually got into podcasting.
1: Yes, it did um so okay, so i'm I'm gonna date myself a little bit here um I, I actually in high school started with my broadcasting uh, career. I uh, went to a school called the Career Center and um, uh, my major there was uh, radio and television broadcasting as well and so um we used to do um the news and you know had a little show and then when I went to college, you know we were using real to real. So, you know, that was a long time ago. Nobody really uses those anymore. Everything is digital. Oh, yeah. And so so, um, when I decided that I wanted to do a podcast, it really just brought back into my remembrance of everything that I learned in high school and college about broadcasting and um, different types of microphones and, you know, uh, studio space and um, making sure that you uh, have the right levels and all of that. And, Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I guess I'm actually using more of my degree now than I did when I graduated. I actually didn't even want to go into communications when I graduated. Um, Wanted to do more journalism than, um, you know, radio and television, especially Mm. TV. You know, after they said, going on TV, you, uh, makes you look like you gained 10 pounds. Well, <laughs>
0: it's,
1: it's really 20 and it, and it's really true. That's how you look. <laughs> and I said, I don't want anybody to look at me. I don't want to see all that, but, um, you know, uh, podcasting is, a, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing that. And, um, just being able to use that degree in some type of function made me, uh, appreciate the scholarship I had. So yeah. I'm, yeah, you know, that's,
0: that's great. That's that's thanks great. for that,
1: the money. <laughs> yeah, it's great
0: that you got something uh, from college and that uh, and that that ended up working out eventually. Um, right. so which came first? Was it podcasting or was it a love of audiobooks?
1: That's a good, love of audiobooks came first. Okay. Um, it's a funny story about how I actually even got into uh, audiobooks. I used to be a book blogger and um Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. A little known fact. Uh, I, I used to be a book blogger and I built a lot of relationships with, um, authors and other readers. And, uh, I had a a book group and, uh, it really was just uh, a lot of, uh, indie authors were there and readers and we would kind of share information. Now groups are really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, Uh, One uh, author, uh, Renee Mason, was in the group and we were doing a giveaway and she said, I have a new audio book that came out. Um, I'm going to give away five free copies. This was in 2016 and I had never listened to an audio book before. And uh, so she said, would you like a copy? And I said, well, sure. And like most people who have not really uh, had a chance to appreciate audio, it's a um, Uh, you come in and you're kind of like, eh, you know, I'd rather read the book. They're not going to sound like the person would in my head, you Mm know? And so I was real skeptical. Um, but actually I was on my way to Flagstaff and I needed something (laughs) to listen to, um, and on that drive. And so I said, okay, I'm going to try this audio book. I popped it in and the rest was history. That was February, 2016. So that's not Um, that long ago. It was not that long ago I immediately built up my library I think within the first 6 months I had over 300 audiobooks. Wow. Um so I just dove in ears
0: first. That's great. And <laughs> and so how long after that was it before you started a podcast related to audiobooks?
1: So I actually had my first podcast I believe it was um uh the Audio Flow started January second, no, January 6th, I believe, uh, 2017. You know the time is going by so fast, so I always have to remember. So it was January uh, 1st, 2017. Um, it was supposed to just really be a show about me reviewing audiobooks. I don't know when it it changed from that, um, and it was really just supposed to be me getting on, uh, uh, recording the podcast and sharing it with other listeners and chatting with them live about it. But um, uh, author Inger Iverson wanted to do something to release um, a book that she had written and uh, Michael Pauly had narrated, and and so uh, we, we chat about uh, having them on the show, and they were my first guests. And it went over so well, I said, oh, this is fun. So then I did another one with uh, with Renee Mason and Aaron DeWard and uh, Noah Michael Levine. And I don't know, it just, it kind of just jumped off from there. And then the next thing I know, I had four podcasts.
0: Uh. Four? I didn't realize <laughs> there were four. You mean, You mean four, not four different episodes, but four different podcasts.
1: I, yeah, I have four podcasts. All
0: right. So I'm, so I know about the audio flow <laughs> and then I heard about when you spun off and did the featured voice where yes. you were just basically talking to narrators. What are mm-hmm. the other, what were the other two?
1: So my first podcast was, at, is actually called booking around town. Um, and because I did start oh, I, as I a, do remember that yeah. title.
0: I had forgotten about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that was where I, you know, first you know, started. Um, and then I kind of just spun them off at the same time. So booking around town came out first, December, uh, December 21st, 2016. And then, uh, the audio flow and then the future voice actually started in June of 2016. And that was, that was because I met, um, Uh, I met Tom, and why I can't remember Tom's last name, Jordan, Tom Jordan, and um, I really liked his uh, narration of a couple books he'd done, and I said, well... I really think there should be a platform where we are introducing um, either new narrators or new mm-hmm. to me um, narrators to to listeners and authors who are looking for new narrators. And so that's how the feature voice came about. He was the he was uh, sort of the inspiration for the series that was only supposed to be a series, and then it it, was, it ended up being three seasons.
0: Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I listened to all of those or almost all of them. Uh, I can't remember what the last one I listened to was, but it may have been, I may have hit all of those.
1: Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. It was a lot of work. uh, Oh yeah. Podcasting,
0: podcasting is a lot of work.
1: (laughs) It's a lot of work. And when you have three of them happening simultaneously, three of them, and then I had a couple of specials that I did as well. Um, It was just a lot. I believe in 2017 I recorded over 130 episodes total wow. from all my shows and uh, after my voice went out at one point I said I have to take a break so
0: Yeah. yeah. B- believe me as a narrator I can understand that. <laughs> I know you can. You
1: feel my pain. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so when it comes to audiobooks, um what was that first one that you listened to on your way to Flagstaff?
1: That was Curing Dr. Vincent which is um it's erotica. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I've never been the same since then.
0: That's funny. You know, I actually remember that title when it was posted on ACX.
1: Do you? I do.
0: (laughs) I, I actually remember that title. Um, so you listened to that one and it was, so that's, you would classify that as erotica as opposed to romance.
1: Uh well, I know it's yes. a kind of a bl- bl- blurry
0: <laughs> line sometimes.
1: It, well, you know what? What I liked about this story. Well, first of all, um, they won an Audi for Erotica in two thousand sixteen or oh. seventeen. So that was great. Um, what I liked about the story is that there was a story. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, when they think erotica, they automatically think porn. Mm-hmm. And although there is audio porn, I've seen it on Audible, people. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, it had a it had a really good backstory. It was very well written. Um, even when you, you know, think about the relationships between the characters, you kind of invest in them and you want to know what's going on with them individually as well as together. And it wasn't just sex. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's why I really enjoyed it. I it, it was actually two only two books out. Well, three two or three books out. I binged all three of them, or however many was out at that point uh, within two days. And so, wow. uh, yeah, I I was really uh, like I said, I went in. into audio after I listened to that first book. Mm -hmm. Um, And not only that, um, narrators really do sell audio, as you know, Um, they sell the book, they sell the story with the characters they create, with the uh, personalities that they give them. And um, just listening to Aaron and Noah uh, perform um, this duet book, it was just, actually there's, there's, I can't even put any other book up there with them right now. Maybe Birthday Suit uh, that just came out by Lauren Blakely, but uh, Curing Dr. Vincent uh, that will always be my favorite audiobook of all so time.
0: Birthday Suit that I know that just came out. That's uh, that's like a full cast, right?
1: Oh gosh, yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> well, so you're, it, so the first one you listened to then was Erotica, and you loved it, and you binge listened. So, mm-hmm. since then, clearly you've listened to a lot of audiobooks. Is there any kind of niche that you listen to more than anything else, or are you just kind of all over the map?
1: Um I'm kind of all over the map, especially now with my production company. I try not to um put myself in a hole where I'm only you know listening to one type of genre, one genre or sub genre because I want to make sure that my services is able to um to work with every, every type of book. So I need to have listened to some to know mm-hmm. what they sound like. Sure, yeah. Um, so I, I do enjoy romance and, you know, some erotica, but you know, I don't like to listen to that for long periods. I have moods just like with everything else. Um, I love, uh, paranormal, I like contemporary, I love mystery thrillers now. Um, I just downloaded my first, uh, lit RPG book, oh. <laughs> um, but it's kind of, it's kind of dirty. <laughs> <so> <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> and I was, I was warned about that, but I was like, oh, I'm fine. It's totally fine. Um, and then I also like, um, I like some self-development titles as well. So um, so
0: nonfiction type stuff,
1: nonfiction. I love Michelle Obama's book. Um, Oh yeah. I've heard I, good things about that. Yeah, it's a really good book. Um, I, I, there are some other books I've listened to, and uh, they just really speak to you. So I think it's really good to um, to not just uh, stick to one genre, especially when you need you you need you have a, mute, a mood, and there are certain things you need. Sometimes you don't need um, a happily ever after. Sometimes you just need something that's just a little more gritty, mm-hmm. um, or something that's inspirational. Um, so. I don't have a favorite.
0: So really, kind of all over the map. That's good, especially like you yeah. said, getting into uh, audiobook production. Um, yeah. So I know that you did over the holidays. You did some special audio flow podcast episodes. Um, uh, what what was the
1: sounds
0: sound? Yeah, sounds sounds, sounds of the holiday. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, do you plan on continuing with the podcast?
1: I do. Um, it's just going to be a little bit different. Just because of my time constrictions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also work full-time as a human resources director. So with that and managing the company and and pretty much doing a lot of the work myself, um, podcasting is more so um, an enhancement for books that are produced by the audio flow. And we will be producing some books um, I'm sorry. Some uh, podcasts with the authors and the narrators to help promote the books.
0: Oh now, sure, yeah, yeah. That sounds a lot like the uh, Silverton Audio podcast.
1: Yeah, and so the sounds of the uh, sounds of the holidays I did because I wanted to share um, with listeners. Other sides of people who are in the booth, and I wanted them to share special memories about the holidays. It wasn't so much just Christmas because everybody doesn't celebrate Christmas, but we celebrate the holidays. So, however, you know, they wanted to share how they spend this time of the year, any special memories, I wanted to bring that. And um, I'm looking to do more uh, things like that as well, so it won't just specifically just say, well, here's an audio flow podcast. Here's an interview with the narrator. Yeah. Kind of a,
0: kind of a special event, kind of a special episode. Exactly. Yeah. No, that was cool. I liked hearing, uh, many people, several people that I know and several people whose names I had heard and didn't know and a few people that I didn't know at all so uh, so that was that was kind of fun and it was a uh, little bite-sized most of them were really short and mm-hmm. uh, easy to listen to you know just on a short errand instead of on a trip to flagstaff exactly. so, uh, so so that was great <laughs> Uh, yeah. I could see though that if you're working full time plus doing the audiobook production stuff, that a podcast would take the back seat. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's it's kind of way in the back, like the trunk, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <but> <laughs> no, I totally understand. I know <laughs> what goes into making a podcast episode. Yeah. Um, so, so what was it? So it was uh, 2017 when you started the Audio Flow podcast, and then Featured Voice came six months later or so. Uh, so when was it that you that you got the kernel of an idea to start the audio flow audiobook production company?
1: That's a good question. um I always knew that I wanted after i again after I fell in love with audio, it's really just about finding a need um in the community and in the industry and seeing what's gonna be a fit. so when I started the podcast and actually um the audio book blogging, it was because somebody asked me, is there anybody that promotes audiobooks? And I said, I don't know. And I said, I'll do it. I'll try it. Um, and then I did that and I spoke with the author and she sent me a message and said, I don't listen to audio and I'm not sure which narrator I want for this particular book. Can you help me? I said, "Okay, sure." The author is Nikki Sloan. and uh and so uh, she she writes I don't know if she's erotic or romance, somewhere in between there. Mm-hmm. And um and so I said, "Okay, so she sent me two auditions and I immediately said, "This is the person that we want." And so she cast him. Um and then she emailed me or or contacted me on Facebook, uh, maybe two months after that, I believe it was in August of 2017 and said, um, I have another book that I'm doing. I would love for you to help me with it. Casting. And she said, how much would you, how much would you charge for something like that? How, what's, what's the labor that goes into it? And so I told her and she said, I I would pay you for that. And so that was kind of the early stages.
0: Sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a good, um, good introduction to something where somebody actually says, so you're doing something and somebody says, you know, I'd pay for that. It's like, ding, little, little light bulbs going off there.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And, And the funny part is that before we got into production, it really was, it was the audio flow casting services. I wasn't doing anything except for, um, uh, receiving the uh, actual audition script and inviting people to audition, selecting the top three or five narrators, rating them and sending it to the author saying, which one of these people do you like? And then doing the offer. That was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of morphed a little more because I was, some authors were saying, well, I don't have time to listen to all the auditions and I don't know how to put it on ACX and I don't have time to do this and that and Find the audition and you know, and mm-hmm. so I said, Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> that's me volunteering and raising my hand. And so um that's when it kind of developed into more um than what I thought it was gonna be, like everything else that I've told you so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just was the regular normal progression. Uh, to move into that direction, it started with Nikki Sloan and a couple other authors um, that I worked with prior to even starting the company of just doing recommendations. Um, the funny part is, I have a lot of authors who um, who were approached by um, some of uh, like Audible or Tantor and, and for for the rights to their books, oh, wow. and they and they would come to me and say um, I, who should I get for a narrator? And I would say, you need to go with these two people and, and they did. And Mm -hmm. so of course I don't get any, I can't get any credit for that, but, um, it just shows that there are a lot of people out there who don't know what goes into audio. Mm -hmm. Um, and they need persons that listen to every genre and who can write off the top of their head because they you've read their book, know what, who can do what. And, and so that's kind of where I fit in.
0: Yeah. And you've probably already, when, once you read the book, you are already thinking of who you've listened to in the past in a similar yes. format and thinking, oh, that person would do this well.
1: Yes, yep. that's exactly right. I, and I can hear them. Um, and you kind of know what somebody's Uh, abilities are. Um, and then I have relationships with a lot of people. So I know, I know what they, what they can do. I know what they want to do. I always ask my narrators, are there genres that you haven't done yet? Okay. Let me go find one for you. Let's, let's work on that. So, um, you know, I think that's good as far as having those relationships. It's easier to find a fit, uh, and, and when you're doing the auditions and you know, okay, this is exactly what this character sounds like. And they hit it on the head. This mm-hmm. is it.
0: Yeah. So do you envision um, going forward with the audiobook production stuff? Do you envision finding a specific niche or are you more interested in keeping it pretty much open to any genre, any type of book?
1: I want to keep it open. And I will tell you because the mission of my Um, business is all about, um, I work specifically with self-published authors. And I believe that (laughs) um, pretty much everybody's story deserves to be told uh, in audio. And so I don't want to just, uh, again, pigeonhole myself into one genre. I want it to be open. Um, There are a lot of people who write nonfiction that I want to tap into. There are a lot of um, African-American authors in urban fiction that haven't really made their way to audio. Um, And children's books, I would really love to do more children's books. I told my team that that goal for this year is to do more children's audio. And so um, I just want to be that resource that can help anybody in any genre go from um, book to audio.
0: That's cool. I think that uh, sounds like a good mission. Thank you. And clearly you've had uh, some success just because before you even started the company, people were coming to you for the expertise that you could show them.
1: Yeah. And that's funny just because and I tell people I just got into audio not too long ago. I can't even say I've been lis- a listener for five years. And I, I, but I I'm a sponge. I absorb information and I research and I talk to people and I study and um, trial and error. Things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that's, that's important. And I build relationships, not just between me and my authors or, or myself and my narrators, but I'm also trying to uh, have them have relationships with each other so they won't always need me. Um, and so I think that's important. That's, that's what makes me successful is building those relationships and having, um, a successful product at the end.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a relationship business. Yeah, I mean I mean many are but um this one boy in particular from from what I've learned definitely about building those relationships um so what's your what's your thought going forward in the you know 5 to 10 year range do you plan on going more into audiobooks and getting out of human resources or do you see it as a as a side project going on or are you just open to whatever happens
1: I want this to be my full-time job a career um uh, over the next two years, I plan on it on doing this full time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doing a lot of groundwork right now, um, working on uh, building the brand. Uh, a lot of the foundational work is going into the business. And um, so I would say probably around the end of 2020 or 2021, uh, we will be full-time the audio flow and there are some other things that we're looking at doing but we'll stay in audio um but just in a a, a different uh a, a different aspect of it
0: mm-hmm Well, that's good. I I hope that all works out. It sounds like, uh, I I like the way that you, you said that laying the groundwork for stuff. Uh, that's really important when you're building a brand and when you're building a business and, uh, getting, getting that stuff right is, uh, the right way to look at it, even if it requires doing other jobs at the same time while you're doing it. Right. Right. I mean,
1: and, and I think if you, um, if you read on my website, when I talked about how I actually decided to do this. Um, In human resources, I was a recruiter. And so in recruiting, what you're doing is you are hiring people to perform a job, uh, whether it's uh, corporate recruiting or you're working at a staffing service. It's pretty much how I feel like I was able to take that and work that into what I was doing as a casting director or working in casting services. It's the same thing, knowing the book project, knowing what the author or the rights holder wants, and then going out there and finding the best person or the perfect voice that's going to fit that. So I was able to take those skills and transfer it into what I'm doing now. So I think that was important, Um, but I don't want to stay in human resources Um, or recruiting. But I can tell you that I've taken everything that I've learned in that industry and transferring it over to where I am now.
0: That's great. It it does sound like a good fit. You're, You're right. When you're in human resources, you're really looking at the best fit for the job uh, yeah. on a lot of different levels for a lot of different variables going into that. It's not just knowledge, it's, uh, personality. Who are they going to be working mm-hmm. with? Uh, you know, a lot of other stuff. And I'm sure yeah. it's the same thing when you're, you're casting for an audiobook is, well, it's not just a voice it's, uh, you know, performance ability and performance in this specific genre and, uh, scheduling and everything else. So yeah, I can see how a lot of that would transfer.
1: Yeah. I'm glad it did.
0: And I'm sure that in human resources, you deal a lot with um, uh, scheduling as well uh, in terms of, you know, what's going to work best for this person or that person and uh, legal ramifications of different things. And I'm sure that starting a company, that would also be helpful.
1: Yeah, it's very helpful. I um, When I'm working with a client, because everybody's my client, the narrator and the rights holder, mm-hmm. um, I have to make sure um, I know everything that, that they want going into this project. What's your deadline? Um, what kind of promotions are we looking at? Um, uh, of course, asking those little questions: How long is the book? How many? What's the word count? Uh, what's your budget? Is the top first question that I'm asking everybody. And then uh, going back to uh, when I'm posting for my auditions, um, it's it's putting that information in, giving as much information as I can about the author and about the book, um, and and so that the, there aren't any questions and everything has to be a match. I I never want to. Um, go approach a narrator and, and say, well, they're, they're paying this amount, even though I know your per finished hour rate is up here, but will you do this when I know that's not a fit or the royalty share, which is what most people, you know, always talk about. I really deviate from doing royalty share projects. Um, I know that a lot of people like them, especially authors and, you know, uh, but I really try to Educate authors on what it takes to create an audiobook mm-hmm. and what an actual royalty share means for a narrator. Um, I think and that's great. As, af-
0: as a narrator, <laughs> I can tell you that we appreciate it when uh, authors get educated about those issues. <laughs>
1: yeah, because, and again, it, this was a learning thing for me too, because I, I was very new to it and I was like, oh, royalty share is great. You know, you can get your book done and you don't have to put in anything and and then I said, but then the narrator is putting in all of this front money. And it's it seems like if it depending on the book, it could take forever just to get that money back. And um and so once I start talking about everything that goes into it and break it down so they understand it, when you have your book, you have to have a cover designer, you have an editor, you have a proofer, um you have, um, so many other, you have to pay for print copies. And I said, now roll that over to audio. So you have a narrator, the narrator has a proofer, the narrator has to edit. If they're not doing it themselves, they have to send that out and the amount of money they're paying. And then they're not, you're not, they're not getting anything up front. So, um, I really talk about that. And so far a lot of people get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say, I understand. And then that's when we go over to maybe let's try a hybrid or let's try something else. What can you afford? Let's, and then that's how I started. Um, the perfect, the perfect match. I don't know if you wanted to go into that, but that's kind of how sure, that came yeah. about.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, go okay, ahead. Um, so,
1: um, in 2019 I rolled out the perfect match, um, program because, uh, i I felt like there are a lot of projects that um, the budgets that some of my um, clients were giving me just weren't doable
0: mm-hmm. and
1: not, not for them to have the quality book that I knew that they des- that they needed. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm going to I'm going to create a project um, or a program where I'm going to match the rights holder or clients um, budget. So if they tell me, well, I can only spend, I don't know, let's say, for all intents and purposes, a thousand dollars. I want to spend a thousand dollars on this book, and the book is <laughs> ten hours. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a hundred dollars per finished hour, but then you want them to edit and do all the other stuff that goes along with it. Right,
0: that's so very I,
1: low. Yeah, and so I say, okay, well, I'll match your hundred, and I will, I will also invest $1000 into your book. So now we have 2000 and then perhaps I will also do the production. So we'll do the in-house production which means we do the, we will do the proofing and we'll do the mastering. So if we're offering 200 and we just want the raw files, then that's my that's something that we can work with. And mm-hmm. so then they then they would want to share it with me instead of with the narrator. Got so it. It's just easier for me to I'd rather pay my narrators money up front for their services and then I mean not saying that I've got a lot of money, but I have some time to wait. I don't I don't have to um you know Basically, sit and count my fingers and say, "When am I going to get that hundred thousand dollars back? It'll happen and then I'm also investing in marketing, so I'm taking on that as well. so I've got three of those now in the process for two thousand and nineteen so far
0: that's great and and presumably because of the experience that you've had uh you know with the relationships that you've built and uh you know learning what you have from other people as well. I'm sure that you also have enough experience to be able to look at a royalty share project and make a good educated guess as to whether or not it's going to earn out.
1: Yeah. And, uh, there are certain, certain things that I look into, look at as well. Um, in my contract, it says that, um, that myself and the, uh, client or partner, um, will come up with strategies for marketing. Um, I also, Want to know how well their books have sold, how well, how many reviews they have, and while we're waiting on producing the audio, we're cross, we're promoting um, the audio book before it even starts, as well as the book, mm-hmm. because we want to be able to have it in people's mind that this book is getting ready to come out and it's already available on ebook, but guess what? It's coming on audio. And so they have to create a marketing plan of how they are going to invest in marketing. Mm -hmm. So it can't just be me. It's a, it's a partnership. And, um, because I'm investing my money, I know what I'm going to do on my end. Um, but they just have to make sure that they're doing their part. And so, um, I'm excited about that. I wanted to do one in each genre, Um, And like I said, I have three so far and this is our pilot year. So I'm not taking on 10, (laughs) but I'm going to um, probably do maybe five total this year and see how it goes and, you know, flush out some of the um, things that, that may, may work or didn't work. um, And then we'll see what happens in 2020.
0: I think that sounds like a great plan because, um, you know, it is a pilot program and you don't know how this is going to work yet. And because it's the kind of thing where... You're not going to know once something is out there within the first month or maybe even six months whether or not it's going to earn out. You have to give it enough time to. I right. mean, after six months, you probably have a pretty good idea, but you have to give it enough time. And so, um, it's one of those things where if you went all in, you could lose a ton of money, and yet, yeah, you, and yet you can't know whether or not you're going you're gonna to earn any money unless you actually try it. So it seems to me that having right. a, a pilot year where you take on a limited number of projects to see how they do is is a smart way to go about it.
1: Thank you. I'm excited about it.
0: Yeah, I certainly <laughs> hope it works out. I, I think it sounds like a great idea. It's just a matter of whether or not it it um, it actually, the, that the projects actually earn out. So I certainly hope that right. they do and you can keep keep doing that going forward.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, you are one busy person. I mean, you got a full-time job. You're running this company. You might be doing some podcast episode. What do you do when you're not doing those things? Got any time left over at all? Sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Totally understand that.
1: Um, I'm also working on writing my first book. Oh, wow. um, When I'm not doing all of that, I am uh, writing. Writing. And I love to travel. So um I spend a lot of time with my um with my family. My mother and my grandmother are my best friends. And um and spending time with Jacks, my Shih Tzu Maltese mix. And um, what else do I like to do? Um, besides sleep, I love to bake um and cook. And um what Okay, else, that's, Rich?
0: That, that's gotta be at least twenty five hours a day now.
1: <laughs> but, I, I, you know, it's funny because I work I work Monday through Friday, my full-time job. Then when I get off work, I come home and I'm doing audio book work. And I do that until 11. And then on Saturdays, I work um, audio flow from about 8 in the morning till 6 p.m. And then Sundays, I usually try not to work. So Sundays is, is usually the day I try not to do anything
0: that's good I, I so. totally support that we uh, my wife and I are both solo entrepreneurs you know our own our own business with no employees and we both work out of the house although um, <laughs> she she has a lot of clients that where she goes to their site but um, we recently just thought you know what um, you work on the weekend. Sometimes my schedule is flexible. I'd really like to pick a day of the week and make that the weekend where we can say, you know what, neither one of us is going to schedule anything so that we can just have a weekend day. So I, I think that that is going to move us towards better work-life balance. And it sounds like you Mm -hmm. do that with Sundays and and I totally support that. I I think that's a, a great idea for everybody.
1: You have to, or you'll go crazy. Yep. It just you just need a day just to if you want to sleep to two o'clock in the afternoon then you should just do it.
0: Yeah, and so. I and and it's great having a job where your schedule is flexible. But the the downside is that sometimes you don't realize, and this this has happened to me a couple of times. You don't realize well my schedule is flexible, which means that I've been scheduling work every day for the past three weeks. And so yeah. uh, I, I think it's, it's good to have something where you can say, nope, this is the specific time off. I realize that not everybody would need to do that depending on who you are mm-hmm. and how good you are at scheduling things. You could easily come up with, well, let's take this day off. But for me, I think it's going to work better to actually have a specific day where where I can every week say nope, I'm not going to schedule anything. So yeah, anyway, that's exactly. that, that's good that you've you've picked that day and and uh, spend it with family and your dog and and doing whatever else. Um. So you yeah. said that you're going to be relocating with both your mom and your uh, your grandmother, right? Yes. Are
1: they close the to plan. you?
0: Are they close to you right now geographically? Yes. Okay. Yes. So so when you move, <laughs> you're all moving from roughly the same place to roughly the same place.
1: Yes, we are the uh, modern-day Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well,
1: that's <great. laughs> Now you can try to guess which one I am.
0: <laughs>
1: no, don't do that. <laughs> that.
0: That's great. No, I, I wouldn't want to get that one wrong. <laughs> um, although I have to say, I mean, I you know, my age, I think that's a great show. That's uh, My dad's in assisted living, and on the weekends when I go over there to visit him, Almost always, the Golden Girls is on, and so it's so I, funny. <laughs> it is that was it was a great show. It's a little now that I've seen every episode about 10 times, a little formulaic sometimes, but it was a great show. Um, but
1: you know what? When that show came out, I was uh, wait, what well, that had to be like the 80s, right? Yeah, or I think, 90, I, think okay. Gold,
0: I think Golden Girls was 88, if I remember correctly. Okay,
1: so I never could get the jokes because they was it was kind of adulty, oh, yeah, and um. And so now when I listen to it, I'm like, I can't believe I watched the show. I can't. I'm looking at my mom. I can't believe you let me watch the show
0: (laughs) because,
1: you know, you get those jokes and you're like, now it's really funny because I can relate to it. But before then, I don't know why I watched the Golden Girls, but, you know. Well, that, that
0: reminds me of All in the Family. I'm a little surprised that my parents <laughs> let me watch All in the Family back back then, and there was a lot of stuff that went over my head. <laughs> I
1: know, and I actually like that show, too, and so it's now, like, wow, the things we used to watch, you yep. know, as an adult. It's like, why was I watching that when I was 10?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, um, uh, Jock, where can people find you online if they want to contact you about working with the audio flow or finding more about the audio flow or pointing people there work, where, where can they go?
1: Well, um, everybody can reach me on my website at www.theaudioflow.com. I can also, I'm all over social media. So I'm on Facebook at The Audio Flow, Twitter at The Audio Audio Flow, Instagram, The Audio Flow. I pretty much keep it simple. Um,
0: That's a
1: good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or by email at J O C. Q-U-E-L-I-N-E-P as in Paul at the audioflow.com.
0: All right. The audio flow again. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Jock, thank you so much for coming in. And thank you for inventing a non-alcoholic drink called the Speakeasy. I think that's fantastic.
1: You are so welcome. I'm going to have to uh, take a picture for you and and send it to you and post it on your page.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I hope that the the citrus spiked root beer was good. My Chelsea (laughs) sidecar is just about gone. Um, I wouldn't say this is one of my favorite drinks, but I did like it. Uh, So I might be making another one of those at some point. Although actually at this point now, what I have to do is say, well, since I've done that, I got to make an actual sidecar, and I actually have a he- bottle of brandy right now, so, uh, so uh-huh. I'll, I'll have to make so, one of those.
1: So I, I do want to ask you about the the, um, the different drinks that you have on your show. Is there Now, were you ever a bartender, or you just like to try different drinks and put your own spin on it?
0: I have never been a bartender, um, and it's only been in the past couple of years where I sort of became a, an amateur mixologist, and... Uh-huh. And it, it ended up sort of, um, it kind of snowballed. And I, I think that it started around the time that my wife wanted a Moscow mule, or I looked that <laughs> up and thought, oh, what is that? Or I I don't remember now, but so it, it started out innocently enough. And well, let me try this. Well, let me try that. And we ended up trying like a dozen different ginger beers. And then I thought, well, what about this drink? I used to drink this drink and I, maybe I could try it this way now. And then it just sort of exploded. And I just started buying all kinds of different liquors and trying different drinks. Now I've got, I think I've got, I counted the other night, I think I've got 23 bottles of whiskey that are different wow. type, different types, um, mm-hmm. scotch, Irish, bourbon, rye, American, uh, oddballs like wheat. Um, and I've got a bunch of different gins. And I think right now I've got something like a dozen different types of liqueurs. And I just, every once in a while, I pull something out and I go, maybe this would go well together. And then I, yeah. I make something up and see if Jenny likes it. And if she doesn't, I say, no, nope, throw it away. <laughs> and if she does, I write it down because <laughs> I will never remember what I put into it. Um, so it just I love sort of more. She's
1: your taster. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, and
0: most of the stuff that I that I try to create, I create with her in mind because I don't drink a lot of sweet stuff. In fact, mm-hmm. this this sidecar, it's got I think an ounce of Cointreau, which is more sugar than I normally put in a drink, and mm-hmm. uh, and she likes drinks that are sweeter. And so most of the stuff that I come up with is basically with her in mind. Um, so yeah, I was never a bartender. It just ended up being a different kind of thing that I could try to be creative with. And now, uh, our neighbor, she just put on a mozzarella making party and she said, I want to hire you to be the bartender. So I I came (laughs) up with a few drinks and she didn't actually hire, she didn't actually pay me and I wasn't looking for payment, but it's kind of fun. It's just a, a hobby, you know? So yeah um it's given the number of bottles that i've got stuffed in this house at this point it's kind of an expensive hobby but uh, <laughs> but but it has been a lot of fun learning about classic drinks making up new drinks uh yeah mm-hmm. that's, well, how, that's I, how i, I got into forward, it
1: I look forward to visiting you when i um my make my visit to Arizona to check out um the the real speakeasy Oh yeah
0: ab- absolutely yeah when you <laughs> when you're coming out this way in a year or whatever it turns out to be just let me know and whether it's on the way through, although from where you're coming from, you're probably going to be on I-40, so you're going to be too far north. But um, if you end up coming the south route and you come uh, uh, on I-10 through Arizona. Yeah, it'll be 10. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. If Yeah, if you're coming on I-10, you can just uh, stop on the way. Or if that's going to be too much because there's going to be three of you, you can just make a side uh, day trip out to Tucson. Oh,
1: it'll be before in the end.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll, cool.
1: I'll, yeah, we'll 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 get together. I've got to check out the speakeasy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, the the speakeasy where I actually do the uh, do the speakeasy chats is uh, is my booth, which I built a year ago, a little less little less than a year ago. And um, so you can check out the booth and uh, see where all the magic happens.
1: I'm looking forward to it.
0: All right, thanks a lot, Jock. Really appreciate you coming in.
1: All right, thanks so much for having me, Rich.
0: Well, that's it for tonight. Many thanks to Jock Protho for stopping in. I'm glad she got a chance to share what she's doing over at The Audio Flow. And I'm honored that she would name her non-alcoholic beverage of choice The Speakeasy. As always, you can find The Audiobook Speakeasy on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean, and all the apps that pull from iTunes. And you can find me at richvoiceproductions.com, where I've got some samples and links to audiobooks I've narrated, and where I'm also posting episodes of The Audiobook Speakeasy. If you're enjoying our Speakeasy Chats, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you're not enjoying them, please find a podcast you do enjoy and leave them a review. If you think this show is educational, entertaining, or valuable simply because it gives you an excuse to sit down and enjoy a cocktail in an otherwise hectic day, I'd really appreciate it if you'd add a buck or two to the tip jar. You can make a per-episode donation by signing up at patreon.com audiobookspeakeasy, or you can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me slash audiobookspeakeasy. Any financial support is greatly appreciated, as it helps me keep the lights on here in the speakeasy. Until we see you here in the speakeasy again, I hope you can find some time to enjoy an audiobook. Cheers! <laughs>